Welcome to the After Work Drinks Club, a business podcast where I chat with influential movers and shakers, top achievers, and all-round incredible people. We explore how they've got to where they are and how you can too. If you want to level up, go make your order at the bar, pull up a seat at the table, and join in, because you belong here. I'm your host, Vanessa Sanyauke, the founder and CEO of Girls Talk London a global agency that empowers thousands of women to develop the skills and confidence to succeed in their careers and life. So if you're listening on your morning commute with a coffee, working from home with a cup of tea, or joining us for after-work drinks, consider this your time to laugh, learn, and level up. On the podcast today, we have Kalechi Okafor, entrepreneur, actor, and podcaster. For me, I prioritize me, not the doing, but the being, right? And so whatever I feel pulled towards at any time, that's where I'll go. Because I think that we become too rigid in our expectations of the things. And that was where I was. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the After Work Drinks Club. Today, we have the incredible Kalechi Okafor on the podcast. Kalechi is co-founder of the Kalechnikov pole dance studio. She is an actor, podcaster, and was recently awarded Social Activist of the Year. I've been a huge fan of Kalechi and her podcast, Say Your Mind, for years. And it's such an honor to have her on the podcast today. Some of my favorite things about Kalechi are her fearlessness and her true sense of self and value and her incredible sense of humor. She is so hilarious. If you've been following the series from the beginning, you'll know that I'm a brand ambassador for Blue Water. And today I'm drinking their still water and a cup of herbal tea. So cheers to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are listening. And don't forget to leave a review. As always, it helps the podcast and the community grow. I officially welcome you to the After Work Drinks Club, the podcast, and we ask all of our guests, right, the first thing we ask them is, what would you like to order at the virtual bar? It doesn't have to be alcohol, um, it could be non-alcoholic. What would you like to order? It doesn't have to be alcohol. No, it can be anything. Okay, well, it's going to be alcohol. Okay, (laughs) it could, it could, it could. Um, I think... (laughs) (laughs) So I would definitely would like... um, a mojito. I like mojitos. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. 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 So we ask our guests to toast to their highlight of the year so far. So what's been your highlight of the year so far? I would like to toast to my Netflix collaboration. Um, oh, wow. It's nice to be able to like create, <laughs> it's nice to be able to create content yeah. um, with a brand that, you know, everyone knows, yeah. everyone loves, you know, it's become part of like mainstream vernacular, like Netflix and chill, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to be approached to kind of create content to promote another like movie that's out. Okay. But um, it was just, yeah, it was nice to be able to kind of like do that and do that and, you know, be paid well as well. Cause we don't like to talk about money, exactly. you know, yeah. but you know, it's good to be kind of paid well. And that allowed me to be really, 
creative also because they they supported in terms of like the production of it because you know sometimes people want you to make some stuff and um and I don't really see myself as an influencer as well which is why sometimes it is a bit challenging for me because I don't have the time or want to dedicate the time to like making everything look fancy Mm -hmm. and cute so the fact that they were like, well, will you make this? Mm-hmm. We will sort out the production company. So big up to um, POC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a creative agency or creative um, organisation started by um, Kevin Morosky. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice for them to be like, we will support you with the production of it. You work with us on coming up with the idea and we'll do your thing. And yeah, that that was incredible. So That is major. Oh, I can't wait. Cheers yeah. to that. Oh, that's a big highlight. A massive, <laughs> massive highlight. I'm so, I'm so happy for you as well. And I'm sure it'll be like the uh, first, you. well, the first of May. Is it, is it your first time working with Netflix? Yes. Okay, yeah. okay. So and here's to you're more. right. It is that first of many energy. Amen. Yes, it is yes. that first of, first of many energy. Like yeah. you've got to do one to be able to do the other. So exactly. sometimes when someone approaches you and maybe it's not the kind of thing that you want, mm-hmm. you take that energy on because at least you're noticed and then you can build on it from there. Exactly. And I just know like Netflix is the hardest like company I think to get in with so yeah that's yeah yes. it's they're, they're quite hard so that's, yeah. that's, that's that's amazing so I'm really happy for you right okay so let's get into the to the to, to our chat so you know, I'm a huge huge fan of you I'm a huge fan of you as an individual and also your podcast right mm-hmm. and for me like what comes to the surface about you is you have this strong sense of self and purpose and it seems like, you know, you know who's come before you, you know who stands beside you and you know who's gone ahead of you. And I just wanted to find out where did this come from and then how do you tap into this? I think that it all it, it, it's, it's gradual, mm-hmm. you know, the sense of self or the knowing of self, it's all a gradual thing. It's mm-hmm. not something that I just think that, um, or I had to remember that it was there, you know? Okay. And I think that sometimes things happen in life that kind of takes us away and we deviate from having that strong sense of self or knowing who we are. But it goes through many, um, um, I think you go through many circumstances of being shown who you are not. And I think yeah. that we also should welcome those things in life. There have been many opportunities where I've been shown who I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I've had to remind myself that that's not me. I went, I, you know, I went with that situation. I tolerated that situation. Actually, that's not me. Um, and so knowing all the things that I'm not allowed me to have a better sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes from like rejection. That comes from like frustration. That comes from hurt. That comes from so many things. That comes from failure. You know, you try yeah. things, it doesn't work out the way that you want, or you do things rather, because I don't really believe in trying. Mm-hmm. But you do things, it doesn't work out the way that you want. It doesn't have the result that you desired. But all of those things help you to figure out, okay, this is what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. This is what works for me. I'm going to do it this way. Or when I do this, this gets this reaction. How does that make me feel? Mm-hmm. And therapy has been a big part of that as well. And I think that when we consider our um, our careers, we have to consider our careers in a very holistic way. And sometimes what people miss out on is having that space to unpack their thoughts, their feelings, their fears with a professional. Because if you don't do that, that translates into your working life or it shows itself or, um, yeah. in your working life. Um, so it's important to do that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people see it as separate as well. And I've, I've, I've been in therapy for about over a year and I've actually realised mm-hmm. it, it really intertwines and has helped elevate like my career. But so many people don't actually see that synergy. So I think that's really, really key. And in terms of like you were talking about, because I know in your podcast as well, you talk a lot about knowing 
like who stands beside you and like there's this quote I think Ooh. it was Maya Angelou when she says oh I come as um, one but I stand as 10,000 and she's always kind mm-hmm. of said about knowing who's kind of gone before you where has that come from for you in terms of sort of like knowing who's sort of yeah I think for me it's in terms of spirituality you know yeah. um moving or taking a gander, taking a wander away from uh, the kind of white supremacist, um, patriarchal uh, uh, version of Christianity that we were quote unquote gifted Mm -hmm. as black people, um, you know, of the black diaspora and going to look at the indigenous um, cosmologies of our, you know, our heritage, um, our individual heritage and and our collective heritage and what it means to have a a new history, a new collective history, right? Because when I think about somewhere like Nigeria, we talk about Nigeria as an identity, as a country, as all of this but Nigeria is an amalgamation of different ethnic groups that were forced together under British colonialism so when you consider it in that way what does somebody call an identity what does somebody call a Nigeria well we've redefined it and people have and they've had to redefine it based on what's happened because of colonialism so um, I look at things like that. I look at the people that fought to um, be free of that, that are still fighting to be free of that. And I think about that their struggle is not different to my struggle. Like we are one. Mm-hmm. And that gives me confidence. Like, we, um, you know, in A Litany for Survival by Audre Lorde, she talks about um, in the poem, she talks about the fact that we were never meant to survive. So the fact that we're still mm. here is a testament that... Yes somebody fought hard for us to be here. So when people say, oh, I am not my ancestors. No, you're not. Because you cry. You cry in the bathroom. <laughs> you cry in the bathroom yes. at work. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't face up to the things, but they were doing things that you couldn't even Worse. imagine. Yeah, and they true. had to like firm it. Yeah, they had to firm it. Yeah. So it's um, we're here because of that. And I remind myself of that, that when things get challenging, there are people that saw even more challenging things that, than I'm currently seeing. And although these challenges are relative, I, it does make me feel like, invigorated that if they can do this if they could do what they did I can do do it as well that is so true that is so true and I mean let's talk about you there's so many facets to you I find but one thing I'm really interested in right is you as a entrepreneur so like of of all the amazing other things that you do but you also like run a business you have a a dance studio in and in South London and I want to understand more about like your leadership style like how do you coach your teachers and your staff and what is it like working for you would you say working for me is um it's tough you know, and people don't like to admit that. They'll be like, yeah. oh, working for me is so easy. <laughs> I'm, I'm so easy going. I'm so laid back. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. But at least, yeah, because, I love that. Because... <laughs> I'm front and real. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I say I'm not is because I... You know, I always talk about the studio as being my first baby mm-hmm. before I had my literal son. Mm-hmm. The studio was my first baby when it opened in 2016. And for the studio to open, I'd gone through so much um, so much, and went through so much as it grew. Yeah, I had to do lots of shadow work. I had to do lots of unshedding of self, of ego, to really understand how I'm going to keep this thing thriving. Yeah. And to also understand blessings and also understand that, like, you don't have to be the best to be the best. Like, I'm not the sickest pole dancer in the world, but I'm very good at what I do and that is what I've put forward and with you know being supported by God it's it's worked out Mm -hmm. you know and but the my leadership style taps into that 
Like, yeah. what is your greatness? What are your strengths? I'm going to use your strengths to make this a thing. But you also have to love my business. I'm never expecting you to love this studio as much as I do. I don't think that that's physically possible yeah. for anyone to love my studio as much as I do. But I need you to come close. Yeah. You know, I need you to come close. Yeah, and so- and when I see that people aren't coming close, everything luck off. Because mm. I have it in the agreement, the teacher's agreements about punctuality. Okay. I'm very big on punctuality. Yeah. With friendships, in life generally, I think that if you are somebody that's who's perpetually late, it's a dis- unless it's like a neurodivergence. Yeah, it, unless it's something that, you know, it's, it's a cognitive thing, that's, yeah. that's separate. Yeah. But some people, it's not that. You just have bad manners. Mm-hmm. And so within the studio space... All teachers are expected to get there 30 minutes early, be there, ready to go. So if anything's the matter, you have enough time to try to figure it Mm -hmm. out or to uh, contact somebody who can help you figure it out. So I very much, I'm very particular about that. I tend to only hire teachers who I have taught or who um, have been taught at the studio because again... Um, consistency is key mm. you know some, a lot of studios they get people from outside and then they you try and teach them your ethos or whatever and just don't get it it, it is what it is some people get it some people don't yeah? yeah some people get it some people don't however if they've been taught at the studio they have been shown the ethos as opposed to being told the ethos yeah so therefore it's easier for them to bring it forward and to manifest it within themselves so most of the teachers i have taught myself and i believe that in your leadership style it's not about what you say it's what you do and so yeah. people see how hard i go for the things that i believe in and they know that they have to try and at least come and match me at that level and so i don't have to keep harping on at them all the time but they just see that if i'm going for this i'm expecting you to keep up I'm expecting yeah. you to meet me there. I can't be doing all of these things, appearing in British Vogue or do or Grazia. And then someone comes to the studio and they're like, oh, the teacher couldn't even make eye contact. They didn't really understand what they were teaching. Yeah, it's, no. it's not a good look for where you want, for, for where you're going. Yeah, so it means they have to really yes. step up. And then, because I find it quite hard because I have kind of side hustled for so long um, with my mm. organisation. And I've kind of, like, I left my full-time job last month. So I'm like in full-time entrepreneur mm-hmm. mode. And it's a bit scary, right? But one thing... Yeah. I find hard. It's scary. It's like, oh my god, the 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 sort of safety cushion is is off. But I find it really hard, like making the difficult like choices or difficult conversations. So like you were saying, like if someone like some your your team have to be at that standard, they have to be able to go where you want, are going. How do you have these difficult conversations where you might like someone, you might love them, but they're just not performing? How do you handle that then? It's it's. That's an interesting one because in my personal relationships, I'm very conflict avoidant. I don't like to hurt people's feelings and things like that. But through therapy, that's really helped because it's like, well, where did you learn that? Where did you learn this idea of if you care about people, you don't want to say that they're, you know, not doing what or they're not meeting your expectations. Where did you learn that? And then you trace it back to childhood and you're like, actually, I need to parent. I need to continue parenting myself. And that means parenting myself also in business. So if um, the inner me, if my inner child is just like, I don't feel comfortable with what this person is doing. They're not meeting my expectations or I'm feeling some type of way. I have to say something. Otherwise, I'm just replaying narratives um, that I'm obviously trying to outgrow or heal from. So something like that. I make my boundaries clear from the beginning. This is why having um, these agreements, you know, for people to sign, they've read it, everything's written down. I love things being written down because then we can go back to it. So once they sign the agreement, they're very aware of what's expected of them. Yeah. And so then when something happens, 
I can take my feelings out of it and just simply say to you, this is what you agree to, but mm. it's not what you are doing. That's such a good piece and of then, advice. And it's yeah. that simple. I think I'm going to take that because, yes, with agreements, but when you said about writing things down, I'm like, I need to start getting better at and I think even our listeners, like when you have a conversation, having a follow up, writing it down, because like you're saying, you can go back and say, actually, you said this and you were going to do X, Y and Z. OK, that's really, really, really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 the teachers are really good at that now as well. So or and I've got two studio managers, they're mm-hmm. co-managers and they do it in our WhatsApp group. They will they will literally message themselves. They'll at themselves and say, mm-hmm. I've now finished this task or I'm going to get on with this task next. So we're all reading in real time oh, what they are good. completing. Yeah. Um, I also have a toggle um, as well for the um, managers so I can see you know, the tasks that they individually have when Mm -hmm. they've, you know, what they're doing with those tasks within the hours that they have and stuff. So it's very, I like things to be itemized. I like to be able to see what's happening so we can refer back to it. That's such a good piece of advice. And and in terms of being like um, an entrepreneur, like have you, did you have investment for your studio? Because this is another sort of issue in terms, especially like with black female founders, um, like investment, we get like 0.2% of investment from like venture capitalists or, you know, just, I guess, from large funds. Did you get investment for it or did you bootstrap? It was just me. It was just me. Well, me and my partner. So actually the money that was used was money that was meant to be for a wedding. That's what was used to open the first space and then did a little bit of crowdfunding. um, And I think it raised like 10% of whatever, what we already had, you know, Ah, so we had the money and then what we raised ended up being equal to about 10% of the um, actual um, amount. And, you know, everything helps, right? Mm. And so that was the first studio. By the time we um, were opening the second space in Peckham, um and after closing the first one because it was so small um opening the second space it raised five times more than the first time so that shows me that if i were to go back again yeah and that was in 2017 if i were to go Mm. back again in 2021 i know that i would knock it out of the park if i needed to crowdfund for somewhere bigger more ambitious or whatever but i I, again like you say venture capitalists were you were used to it being like um an industry of tech bros mm. like a lot of white men get funded they get the funding to to come come up with the most outlandish things no, yes. they haven't even got proof for what <laughs> yeah, they're they saying haven't. that they want to do exactly. but people are just going by the virtue of their white maleness yeah. they are being given money yeah. but black women are here being over we call it overqualified but they're going and getting all of these degrees they've done the market research they've mm-hmm. they've been so kind of um, focused on finding the information that they feel that they need in order to get people to give to them. And even when they present that, a lot of the times people are still like, no, because it was never not, it was never having the research. It's the blackness, right? But luckily there are some people that are getting the funds. And I know that there are um, more black angel investors like propping up as well. But the thing about that is people believing in your um in your idea right because we can't avoid um respectability politics when we're talking about all of these things if i was yeah. to reach out if i were to have reached out to someone going i want to open a pole dance studio you know there'll be other dance forms taught but it's primarily a pole dance studio there would have been lots of um and ahhing mm. because that's not we what we do people want to invest in apps they want to invest in stem which i get and we need yeah but also we also need this because after you finished your stem job for the day or for the night you still want somewhere where you can go and do all of the right exactly yeah what you can do afterwards yeah yeah exactly because we all need these things we all need each other it's Mm. an ecosystem right so 
just I think about that and I think that there are some things that people might not be able to see the vision of straight away so you've just got to kind of figure it out yourself as much as you can but I feel like now that I have proof yeah it's more likely that if I were to reach out and say actually I want to open a space in um, central London and I want these many floors there's more likely to be people who are willing to buy into that because first of all they have to buy into me and I have a strong enough social media platform now to be able to do all of that but what if somebody doesn't what do we do then? That is the danger, yeah. And I think that's definitely something to 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 raise. It's interesting that you raise through crowdfunding, and I know a lot of black female entrepreneurs that I know who've raised like loads of money, mm. like Six Figures Plus. Um, they've had to crowdfund. I think it's quite interesting how we've had to kind of yeah. go to the community to to get our, mo- yes. our 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 money. So I think that's definitely something. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I don't know. Do you think things will change though? Do you think like because I've kind of thought about crowdfunding, but it does seem like exhausting. And I just feel like, well, why should we have yeah. to do that? Yeah, we shouldn't. Mm. But at the same time, also think of what it affords you. When your community supports you, there's yeah. no sort of like hard and fast. And I need this proof and I need yeah, this true. metric by this date. Mm-hmm. It is just what it is. But when you are being supported by a certain organisation or specific investors, you are asked to meet yeah. certain targets. You're asked to do certain things. And also with crowdfunding, whoever, you're still the owner of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a, a lot point. of investors yeah. also want shares in the thing. And yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't want you to have shares in my things because I don't want you to have an opinion on my thing. Yeah, that's the you know? side of that. You have to, the, the vision the vision is so delicate. Mm-hmm. It's so delicate when you're wanting to do something. Sometimes when you run it by too many people and people have too many ideas and they're going into it, it really does play with it. I've got an example. I won't say the name of the brand, mm-hmm. but, you know, they came out and they were like, you know, getting angel investors here, there, and it was just amazing, doing great. Mm-hmm. But then some of the non-black um, investors are now wanting them to change the way that they market the very black things uh... that they're selling because they're like, oh, but there are other people, quote unquote, people of colour who would also want to use those things. But you knew when you were investing that this is a black thing. So, so see, but yeah. now you've got their money, you you're have... going to have to strongly consider what yeah. they want. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I think with the crowdfunding, the benefits, yeah, because I think with VCs and angel investors, once they, well, yeah, once you've got your money, you've got to deliver what they want. So that's a really, I think, yeah. a really, a really yeah. key thing. And I mean, if we talk about your career in general, so you've got this kind of like portfolio, multi-hyphenate career. So you just do like so much, like you're an actress, yeah. podcaster, speaker, teacher, you read tarot and you're an entrepreneur. And there's just so many layers to you, right? But how do you, how do you prioritize? Like, is there, because I know like a- acting from what I hear about in your podcast is acting at like, the main focus and does everything else work around your acting career or is it your business and everything else works around that? Like, how do you prioritize? Um, I, I think that for me, I prioritize me, you know, okay. not, not, yeah. the, not, the, not the doing, okay. but the being right. Yeah. And so whatever I feel pulled towards at any time though that's where I'll go because I think that we become too rigid in in our expectations of the things and that was what where I was around 2009 where I was just like I'm an actor that's what I am I'm an actor I'm not a writer I don't write Mm -hmm. I can direct and I ended up directing my one of my first pieces in 2011 but before that it was just like no I'm a I'm an actor don't ask me to do anything but Mm -hmm. what that meant was that I wasn't living a life because I was waiting to prove that I'm an actor so I was working in a call center it was absolutely miserable hated it Mm -hmm. hated it It was the most horrible place but oh I'm an actor so I need to be here because then when I have an audition I can go 
you know, to the audition or whatever. And then one day I was walking through London Bridge heading home to Peckham. And I thought to myself, but this isn't right. Like, surely you should still be able to have fun mm. even when you are waiting for your quote-unquote big break. And actually, they're just lots of little breaks, not one massive big break. Yeah. But um, there should be fun. You know, you should be having fun. What, what else do you enjoy outside of acting? Well, fitness, because I've always done athletics. Like, I was an air cadet, you know, so I've always been active and I was the captain of the football team. So, like, I thought, you know what? I'm going to move towards that. Let me go and train to become a personal trainer. And that is what opened up everything that we see now. But that started from a core kind of um, calling back. I had to call myself back to my core and say, but what about you? Beyond what it is that you do, who are you and what what will make you happy so that's how I see it now like um acting will always be my first love Mm. but beyond acting I am my first love and even when I talk about the podcast the podcast is a love letter to myself I opened the studio because I wanted to be able to see myself in spaces that I was left out of I write because I feel like I want to read the things that I write because I don't see it written enough so everything actually always comes back to me it's what I want that I'm putting out in the world and people happen to enjoy it. But yeah. if I didn't want it, it wouldn't be out there. I see. That's a really interesting um, t- th- uh, take on like career. And sort of, so I like that you, you start with yourself and then you work around you rather than thinking about the career and working yeah. around that. That's really, really important. Yeah. I'm going to um, take because that. Because sometimes some things, because <laughs> sometimes some things take precedence. So, yeah. you know, from about 2016 to 2018, I guess, slash 19, the studio was the focus, growing the studio. And so I wasn't, apart from maybe doing Sally and HR on a podcast, I wasn't really trying to venture out into much. But actually, because things kept happening in life, I kept being pulled to, could you write this for us? Because I was tweeting. And so people were like, well, if you could tweet this much, girl, you, you can, can write. write. And you get paid to um, do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And get paid to do it. Yeah. I remember it was Daniela Dash that was just like, she sent me a DM one day. And she was just like, sis, maybe you want to stop giving all of your ideas away for free on social media. That. Yeah, get, get paid, paid for it. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? And then within a year, I was getting paid well for That's the same great. things that I would just be spewing out daily for no reason on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, it's redirecting your energy and redirecting your passions really. And, and, and if there's value in it, making sure that people are giving you that value you know they are remunerating you for it um as much as possible yeah yeah yeah, that's really important and I mean one of the other things that I admire about you is your boldness and bravery right so you do challenge and speak up um like online on, on your on your online platform when things are not right and many people who are from marginalized groups they they struggle with this especially in the workplace and there've been you know several examples and situations where even I, I've sort of seen like for example where you had an that radio interview I won't say the name but you had a radio interview mm-hmm. and then the host was um talking about you um in an unpleasant manner and you confronted her and I've had and I and when I when you see that and you think okay I've had similar um examples and there have been times when I've had so much fear and not said anything um yeah. And you just, you, you kind of like freeze up and you don't know what to say. But you've always been bold and brave to actually say, actually, I've heard what you said about me or this is not right and we're going to stop here. And, you know, where does that, like, how do you gear yourself up for that? Because it's really scary, especially when you're looking at large institutions. People can get scared about yeah. their employer, how to speak up when things are wrong. But how do you gear yourself up for all of these challenges? Because I think that's really brave and bold and I think yeah I'm trying to learn more how to be like that and a lot of people struggle with that so how do you gear yourself up 
Well, you're in the perfect position now because okay. you've um, given up the full-time job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things. And obviously, we are still going to address people who are still, like, traditionally employed and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I always say that one of the main reasons that I'm able to do what I do is because I have no earthly boss. There is nobody who's my boss. I can walk away from most things mm-hmm. right now and nobody will tell me anything about that. Mm-hmm. And that plays a role because when you know that your bread and butter is from a specific source and that source is being a bit bitter towards you, sometimes you're still trying to swallow and you're still trying to put up with it because you're just like, oh, this is this is the only thing that I have. Yeah. No, mm. no. When you know that you're not traditionally employed, yeah, okay, I can't work with this person, but I'll go work with, with another person. And people talk about, oh, but the people in the industry talk. Yeah, as much as people that. have been talking, I've still been working. So, exactly. oh, well, you're t- obviously talking in a good way. And for everyone that you talk to that you think that, oh, I don't want to work with her, there's somebody else who's like, she did what? Okay, I'll work with her. Because there's, there's, there's a there's a lid for every pot. There'll be people that you find who are for you. And for those who are not for you by hearing whatever happened, then good. I didn't want to be in that space anyway. But for those who are traditionally employed, it is about building a network and a community within your work environment. Because if more of you present an issue, that makes it easier Mm -hmm. than you as a sole individual um, presenting that issue. One of the main ways that I end up, um, you know, making my income is because a lot of people who are working at these organisations book me to come and do talks at their organisation. So even if you can't say something, you lot start a network, you book someone that can say the thing for you and then it's in there. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, that person leaves, they've done the talk, but it started a conversation within your work environment. And even if, you know, um, you can't get as deeply into it as you want. You've made people aware that this is a dynamic and it's now planted the seed. Mm-hmm. So it's about being subversive. When you are traditionally employed, you have to be subversive. Even if you're not, even if you're a freelancer, mm-hmm. you're looking at different ways to get your narrative across and move from there. I think that, again, Kevin Morosky, my friend, he's a great example of that mm-hmm. because you know, he was working in, you know, traditional advertising, which is a very, I would say, anti-black space. Yeah. But he would make sure that through the adverts that he would book and, and that he was putting out there that he was working on, in one way or another, he was recentering blackness in one way or another, whether it's hiring someone in this capacity behind the scenes or putting a black family in this role and doing, you know, like various little things or bringing in um, black influencers that aren't really noticed. Yeah. Strategy. Yeah. Strategic, subtle yes. ways using... And, and yeah, and have a, st- a strategy for how you how you change the environment that you're in when it's not serving you. See, now that's really key because I think you touched on a bit about, I guess, the narrative of you know being like an underdog. Like so, in the, in the entertainment industry and even like in the business community, um, it sort of feels like it can be quite cliquey. I found because I'm like in the kind of business tech space, right? Or kind of social enterprise space. Mm-hmm. And it's quite cliquey now. Um, and I think the entertainment yeah. industry is very cliquey where there are certain people who maybe feel that they are gatekeepers, right? And then yes, there's yes. certain kind of maybe even like events or projects and you kind of think, okay, well, I wasn't invited to that or, but I'm doing something similar. Yeah. And, and then you kind of feel like if you express, okay, well, because I've had, I've had examples where maybe, there might be like an event or a meeting and I've said, oh, why wasn't I invited? Like, I would have really liked to come. And then you kind of feel like, oh my God, everyone's so entitled. Like, why do you think, you know, you, you have all your, they, they have yeah. all their reasons about why you weren't invited or, you know, why, you know, why you can't come this time. And, you know, what is your take on terms of staying motivated? Because that can be quite disheartening when you feel like, okay, when's my time? Like, when am I going to get invited to the party? Yeah. Mm. 
Um, it can be. I, I had a recent thing when everyone was jumping up and down about Blacks of Front. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, mm, well, for what it was called and what it was doing, I do feel like with the prominence and the impact that I've had, because we all know that I've had the impact, mm-hmm. why wasn't I directly approached about doing something and not necessarily being um, a guest on somebody else's thing, but doing something. Yeah. And instantly the misogynoir jumped out because yeah. people are like, well, why do you think that you deserve there are other people who, well, then the other people can speak up for themselves. I am advocating for me yeah you know and and we don't see that enough within the community because we are actually on a very cerebral level we are um kind of wired by this society we're rewired by this society to believe that it is um unjust for a black woman to think of yeah. themselves first yes. and to put themselves first and to advocate for themselves because you are only a, a, like appreciated if you're being a martyr, if you're mm. laying yourself down on the sword for everybody else, the yeah. community. That, those are the kind of people we like to celebrate. Exactly. We don't like to celebrate um, black women who are, who are actually like, no, I, I want this for me as an individual me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so people, yeah, people, they people like keep that back against that. Yeah. And like we said, yeah, and then the imagined gatekeep- gatekeepers now want to say, well, if you wanted it, maybe you should have done this and maybe you should have done that. And actually you realise that, oh, you know what, you're right, I don't actually want to be there. If what you're asking me to do is to dim my own light and to shrink myself in order to fit into these spaces, then that means that if I have to shrink myself to fit in, that means I can trample it if I stay in my actual size. So I don't, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. Like eventually yeah. you will have your own party and nothing that's yeah. for us ever passes us by. And I don't think exactly. it's wrong to state that because now it's in people's minds and they're like, actually, yeah, why wasn't, why wasn't she there? Yeah. You know, for all, everyone who was saying, oh, wh- um, why, why do you think you should have been there? Well, there was a hell of a lot of people who were like, well, why wasn't she? Yeah, well, I was one of them. When yeah. we look at, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we look at, when we talk about respectability, politics mm. and likability, oh, you're not likable. Okay, but there are white women who aren't likeable and they, and still they get, get the platform. you know these opportunities yeah yeah and yeah. you know i say all of that but at the, at the same time i've got an amazing platform mm-hmm. literally that weekend i was in rotterdam giving a keynote speech about anger and how to use it mm-hmm. so in i do a lot more off social media than on social media and i think that whether people like it or not the impact speaks for itself and i think that when we relate it back to you and and other people who might be listening thinking oh but i wanted to be invited to these things and they're not inviting me so what does that mean about me it doesn't mean anything about you it just means something about them yeah. because people who who know the know will know that you should be in the know yeah That's exactly and i think for that situation what um because i know um ramel tweeted ramel london tweeted something and i think what people missed and about your tweet was why is it that we, as black women, are always made to feel like, okay, we should be grateful, right? And you actually say, yeah, look, yeah. I'm actually hurt. I've been putting in the work and I feel yeah. like I should be in there. It wasn't coming, but and then you kind of feel like, well, why do you feel entitled? And it's like, why can't yeah. we feel like, you know what? I deserve to be in these rooms. Yeah. I deserve to sit at this table. And I think that's really kind of key where... I feel like we need to kind of come out on that narrative. And I think you definitely started a good conversation and allowed others to open up. Yeah, yeah I know. And you know what? What's funny is just what you said earlier about speaking out, right? Mm-hmm. Because there were more people in my DMs saying that they felt exactly the same way yeah. than they were on the timeline. And because yeah. people are so scared of, you know, people turning against them. And I, I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared yeah. of that. But they would be surprised, the people who were like ranting about and raving about how wonderful the day was who were in my dms absolutely wow. losing it 
because they weren't invited and that they weren't involved or weren't even invited to any promo things or whatever. But I have the integrity to keep all of those names out. But it's just knowing that Mm -hmm. that was what was weird to me, seeing that. Whereas um, Ramel, she was like supportive um, publicly and privately, where most Mm -hmm. people privately, they were messaging like, I can't believe that I didn't get to do anything either. And this person got this and this person got that. Meanwhile, they were tweeting, oh, this is such an important day. This is so great. So happy for everyone. Uh, So that actually juxtaposes what I'm doing and makes me look like the sourpuss when everybody, when there are more people who feel the way that I do, Mm -hmm. but they won't say that. But I know that it's part of the journey as well, that Mm -hmm. that is part of my calling to say the things that other people are scared to say, but they know that they agree and they will benefit when things change. Exactly. But, um, yeah, it's what it is. But like you say, this um, people aren't used to black women speaking about their worth out loud. You're always meant to humble brag or just yes. be humble. Yeah. And you hear it all the time on social media. Oh, I wanted to humble her. I wanted to humble her. People don't like confident black they women. Don't. They don't. Yeah, they, they don't. don't. It's really it's really challenging for, I think, society. Even for black, you know, the black community itself. But I think there's definitely a yeah. shift happening. I want to talk about your your podcast, yes. um, which I've said before, I just love. It's literally like, okay, so I see <laughs> it's so, it's so powerful. I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you. what you are doing, it's spiritual. Like you are just changing so many lives. Like I have therapy on Friday and then I have your podcast on Monday <laughs> and literally it's like, do you know what? I can do it. I can, I can just get through the, through anything. And, um, what I find quite funny is I remember when you started the podcast, right? You were like, I'm only going to do it for a year. So I remember rushing, <laughs> you were like, I'm going to do it for a year. Yeah. And then you had your live show. Do you know how hard I had to get tickets? I don't even know how I got, I got one ticket. Went on my own, right? <laughs> to the live show. Okay. Coach, it's only one, only one year. This is it. This is it. And here we are. Yeah. I'm happy though. I'm not complaining. I'm happy. You still are doing the podcast. So what made you think, right, you know what? I'm not going to just do it for one year. I'm going to do it for many. What made you say yes to that? I think that because so many things were unfinished, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's honestly people like you, Vanessa, that kept me going. Because mm-hmm. what happened was when I was, when that, when the year hit and I was like, all right, well, we're done. Yeah. The messages I was getting where people were like, but what do you mean? I mean, I respect the fact that you said you were going to do something and you did it and you're done. Yeah. But, you know, you started a lot of conversations. And so where do we go from here, you yeah. know? And I had to think about that. And I felt like so many things were unfinished, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think about even something like pregnancy loss. And that I meant, I talked about that on the podcast. And then to know at the point that I was going to bring it back that I was now pregnant, I just thought, no, like, you come back with hope. The main thing about all of this is that it must end with change and so there has to be hope to just leave a podcast and be like boom done no like let everyone get their story exactly we'll all be there on the podcast like even if i'm recording in my trailer in freaking hollywood (laughs) we'll all be there with me we've got this when i'm just like (laughs) you know when i'm when i'm recording on the set and i'll be like fam look guys we made it okay we made it we're out here making this movie Mm -hmm. do you get what i mean so it's like you know why does it have to stop it might not be consistent in the way that i've had it yeah but I, I want people to come along for the journey. This is about community. This is about, you know, I say that it's a love letter to myself. So why would I just suddenly stop writing it? Like, yeah. why would I suddenly stop that lo- a love letter? It carries on as long as I carry on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just think that for now, you know, we continue, we move, we go. Yeah, we go again. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're still going to do it. And you know what, right? I absolutely loved the episodes. Like, I, I love your brother, right? Sadiq. I loved it. <laughs> When you and Sadiq, honestly, because you know what it was? It was during the time when um, 
it was, I think it was like during the pandemic and there was a time when I wasn't yeah. at home to see my brother. And honestly, like your dynamic, yeah. it just made me feel so warm because I was like, oh my God, I miss my brother oh. too. And I just, I love your energy. Is he going to come back and co-host? Like when, when are we going to see? With this, he, I want him to maybe, I think we might see him. If I do a live show, he would okay. definitely have to come through. But yeah. he was just like, oh, but you know, I don't like seeing people in person <laughs> and stuff. And we have to get He just him. likes to go gym and yeah. wear clothes and go <laughs> shopping and whatever else and listen to watch, listen to music. Yeah. But um, no, he has to come back. And okay, I think good. that a lot of what people were mentioning that they enjoyed about that was the fact that they got to see a softer side to me. Not that I'm the like, ha 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 all the time, yeah. but it's the fact that I'm very kind of like almost like professional as it were. Yes. I, I make lots of jokes on the podcast, mm-hmm. but there is a boundary mm-hmm. to what I'm willing to share. Yeah. And I think that my brother brought another facet to me yeah, or of me yeah. out to the listeners. And they were like, oh, this is nice to see the caring, the, you know, the softer, the more tender, the almost private aspects of 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 things and almost childlike as well because you get to kind of go into your big sister mode but you're still young you know in that mode as well so i i would love for him to come back especially his music knowledge we need it. i love it i love that when you did the intro where you kind of <laughs> guessed the song oh it was just it was really good so i'm glad i'm glad um i'm glad to hear that um, you you touched on your um acting and sort of be, being in your hollywood trailer and in the future and still and still recording the podcast okay i'm gonna make sure like we save this so that we just so you don't forget us yeah it's <laughs> true i'm gonna make sure we save this but like, don't forget um but i wanted to ask you like what are your thoughts because it doesn't it's not just even the acting career but even like black women in different like professions about okay being a uk based actress uk ta- yeah. black talent is moving to the us and thriving right have you ever considered that or are you in the uk for the long game and this is your base and this is what you want to do or do you think in terms of acting would you ever kind of even spend a couple of months in the us and to see what happens what are your thoughts on that Oh yeah, no, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm uh, I'm only here physically right now. I'm literally only here in the UK physically right now. Okay. In my mind, I'm elsewhere, and I think it's necessary. I don't necessarily know if it's US or whatever because the person that I collaborate closely with, like I said, is Kevin Morosky and like my um my best friend Lammy. You know, um, I'm they can I can collaborate with them anywhere. Right. And if I were to go and you know, once I do get the Hollywood bits and things like that, it'll be important that those roles also respect my autonomy. I'm not willing to be swallowed up by a corporation where I can't say anything about what I feel. And we've just talked about the fact that, you know, I have no earthly boss. Am I now suddenly going to be at the whim or at the mercy of a big corporation um, of a production company? No, if it, if my destiny is to kind of like make cool, you know, like indie films with my, with my homies, then that, that will still bring me joy, you know, but I cannot afford to trade off my integrity just to be seen on the quote unquote um, big screen. So that means that I can basically do what I'm doing anyway. It doesn't necessarily just have to be the US, but in terms of the UK, I'm done with the UK because I Mm -hmm. think like, come on, let's think about it. What is the pinnacle of success for a black woman in the UK it's within tough. entertainment, really. What is the pinnacle? What, loose what, women. what are you going to be loose doing? Women, You're going to be sorry to say that. Loose women, loose women, and no tea, no shade. No like, shade. No tea, no shade. But come on, yeah, what, is that, is it's that, not... shade. Like that's yeah. not that's not for me. Yeah. What to be ahead of whatever, whatever at the BBC mm-hmm. or ITV? That's not for me. Yeah. So where where do I go from here? I feel like actually I'm about to hit a plateau because. It, even the people who are the highest of the highest, whether they're even in parliament or wherever, you lot are mm. still looking at me to bring the things. So that means yeah. that I've got something valuable. And maybe here, 
every time I try to speak on something or do something else or you move out of a specific field, there are so many people who are threatened by that, that they will try and quieten it down or pretend that they don't see it. Let's look at it. My video um, that went viral, uh, chat shit get banged, that, that went viral, mm-hmm. um, that was... That was last year. That was during the uh, pandemic, oh, right? Yes, yes. It was an American. It was India Moore, the um, actor from Pose. They oh. posted my um, video yeah. and they were the reason that it went viral and everyone started sharing it. And it got like a million yes, of I remember views that. Yes. Oh, okay. for that reason. Yeah. But it took Americans, Americans. taking notice mm-hmm. of me. So it's, Right. And so they see my energy. Mm-hmm. They see my outspokenness and it makes sense to them. Mm. Whereas I feel like in the British space, yes, I've got a lot of love and I love people who love me within this space but at the same time there are people who don't actually want me to go any further and I'm talking about institutions and systems that they don't have enough for me to kind of um kind of yeah to reflect all, what I'm capable of and America I guess in some ways allows more space for that we're here we're scared to kind of like support people even financially no. patreon this or whatever yeah. people are scared to do it because like, I'm not a beg and why should I give money to them no. why they're begging for money that with the mindset that we have about support here is skewed it is it is and even like one of my um friends she's gonna come on the podcast her name's christina right she's based um in atlanta at the moment she runs this um wellness Mm -hmm. community called omnoir in in america and like she's just launched this like membership for like um to teach other black women to kind of host retreats right and she made like Mm -hmm. 235,000 in a week because her community signed up um I'm booked. And like when we're having conversations about like I've I've started a membership community and the struggle to even get people to pay like 15 pounds a month, yes. right? And I'm just like yes. this country is just like Americans black women there are just making pee. Like and even um they are making money. Yes, this they country's clap. Yes, it's it, it is just too cheap. <laughs> and when you were talking in my mind uh, what came to my mind is Gina Yashere, right? Like, literally, I'm, like, one of her, like, I am, her, like, her, her biggest fan. Like, I just love her. And she yeah. was um, spoken about going to America, right, and then, like, making, like, I'm assuming, like, millions. And it's like, but she's been, yes. I grew up with Gina. Like, when I was a kid, I used yes. to stay up late to watch Gina on, I think it was Blouse and Skirt. Same. That show on BBC Two. Like, yeah. I grew up, and it's like, now she has to go to America to be like a millionaire, and it's frustrating, but I see sort of where you're, where you're, you're thinking around, yeah, in terms of just getting paid. Exactly. We, Look yeah. at the show she got. Yes. Look at the show she got, yeah. Bob and Abby Shola. Like, she, and, and she's living, you can see, like, even, because uh, I remember she was talking about having lupus. Yes. Even uh, having such a condition is still managed better for her with it being in an American space. There's just something about here that's not conducive no. to our growth. And at the same time, I'm not trying to take food out of anybody else's mouth in terms of the um, black Americans out there because I do understand that people hate their own blacks, right? And yes. so I know that there is a specific struggle that they're going through where we come over and we start doing the thing mm-hmm. um, as a way of saying like, look, we do like black people. We just don't like you, which is unfair to them. I get it. Yeah. But I do feel like I can carve out a space for myself that's not impeding on anything that anybody else mm-hmm is doing and um i think that you know i feel that i'm i'm deserving of it you know and when i look at the demographic of my patreon although look at that vanessa although americans make up um americans make up 20 percent of my listeners okay yes on the podcast but they make up 80 percent no of my patrons don't on patreon don't. you're kidding me you are kidding me swear down 
swear down. <laughs> oh, that shit. just goes to show that's you mad. That's wild. Like. That's wild. We, we, as as British people, it's just this ridiculous. Is what we're like with, yeah, with support, yeah. and then they will turn around and go, "Oh my god, what happens to so and so? They fell off. They fell <laughs> off because you pushed them off. Exactly. You pushed them off. How do you think you pushed them off? Yeah, no, that is. Do you know what? That is actually crazy. Like that is a mad twenty percent and the eight percent. Yeah, I think Americans get it. They 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 get. They get it about look, pay me my money. They don't. They don't play around with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So I definitely see that for you, and I and I'm I'm just praying that yeah, next year, Amen. um, US base, US base. Amen. I want to kind of touch on you as um a bit more of, of the personal stuff, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, right, is yeah. as like a partner and a mum, and um, so you're a mum to a son, um, and I'm. I'm I'm not married yet. I don't, I don't have a partner. I don't have a um a kid. But one of the things I worry about, yeah. right, is do I have to soften myself? And I know a lot of women in my network who went, you know, not married, haven't got kids yet. We do worry and have convos about, okay, when I settle down, quote unquote, and have kids, do I mm-hmm. have to soften myself? And I wonder, do you have to soften yourself like in your, in those relationships or adapt or is it you just could come as you are? I think in every situation and every like human interaction, mm-hmm. I soften myself, you know, okay. like when we're speaking now, mm-hmm. you know, me speaking with you now is different to maybe how I speak on the podcast because the mm. podcast I'm just speaking right yeah. but I have to take into account that I'm I'm with I'm in this present moment interacting with another divine being so mm-hmm. naturally you soften because okay. you need to be present in order to take in the experience that you're having mm-hmm. and um when you live in close proximity with people like I live with my husband and I've got my son and things like that you are soft. You mm-hmm. are soft. Um, you you do soften because life softens you. Okay. Experiences soften you, especially because I haven't been a wife before. Mm-hmm. I haven't been a mother before mm-hmm. in that way. You know, like especially when you're the eldest daughter, you feel like you've been a mother in a certain regard. But to actually have birth your own child and and to have your own child, that is different. Mm-hmm. And, and you're exposed to different emotions, anxieties, things, physical, um, spiritual, and emotional that you haven't experienced before. And that softens you as you navigate it, if you choose to navigate it, unless you repress it and then it hardens you. So I think that the softening is really life happening to you and you surrendering to life over and over again in order to learn the lessons that you need to learn so that you can grow as an individual. That doesn't mean I don't have boundaries. That doesn't mean I won't tell them off or bad people up in the household if I need to, Mm -hmm. but it's it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. The softening is at a core level. Um, and you want it. You want it because it opens you up to more regard to life. Yeah. Like since having my son, I now look at, I'm more aware of children and people. You know, you just see so much more. Mm-hmm. You think really, what is coming? What is this world coming to? So even though it softened me in one regard, what it did was um, emboldened me to speak out more. I think that people felt like, oh, when I have my child or when I become a mother, I'll become meek and mild and just be like, oh my God, yes. breast milk. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But actually, you have to be like I've that. Got, right, but, but actually now <laughs> I've got more vim because okay. I'm just like, I refuse for this earth to be trash, mm-hmm. for my son to not be able to live life and to know joy and to know peace because you want to move mad with racism and sexism and transphobia. and No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, no. Let's nip all of that. 
let's try and nip all of that in the bud yeah. because I want my child to know to know humanity at its best. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I've got to up my game with what I'm doing. So that's what I mean. The duality of the fact that it softens you, but it emboldens you to do the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I like that. Okay, no, that's really... I'm going to take that actually in terms of, yeah, being, thinking about how you to kind of, yeah, soften yourself, especially, yeah, when it comes to relationships, it's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really good. What is on your joy list? So what are the things that bring you joy? Oh, my um, my Nintendo Switch. They really should pay me for this promo. Oh, you know? oh my gosh. <laughs> I love my Nintendo Switch. Okay. My God, because people often, I think that people have a um, specific perception of me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, she must just be like, blah, blah, blah all the time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I, well, if you don't see me mess, um, commenting or doing whatever, I'm usually playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> I've got Zelda, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I've got Spirit I've got Mario Kart. Yeah. I'm just Mario Party. Right. I'm just playing games on my on my Nintendo Switch uh, because that brings me joy, yeah. you know, that makes me happy. Um taking going for a run with my son, like in his buggy. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I don't I don't know how else to explain how alive I feel being able to do that with him. Mm-hmm. Something that I love so much, like people know that I enjoy running, mm-hmm. but to be able to do it with my son as well. Um you know, and that became a thing that was born out of necessity. I think, you know, his dad had to go away on a, a work trip or whatever. And I was just like, oh, that means I'm not going to be able to run for this length of time. So I had to invest in getting that special running buggy oh, yes. so I could be out. Because I was like, in case this ever happens again, I do not want anything to impede on the things that I do for my wellness. Amazing. So yeah. I got the buggy and we're out here and he gets to see his mum living her life and he's coming along for the ride or coming oh, along that. for the run. <laughs> oh I love that I Sorry. love that yeah he gets to come along for the run mm-hmm. so I just think that you know that's what brings me joy and um, reading connecting with friends cooking I love cooking and okay. um, brings me joy eating I love going to restaurants that's my favorite um I went to a supper club the uh, the other night as well I just like mm-hmm. doing little things that are just away from people or away from like socials um, yeah. and and enjoying those moments yeah brilliant and one of the things I love right so (laughs) you basically read me and many others every week with your tarot readings like you (laughs) have the gift like your tarot readings are so on point it's like right I've I've just been read like how did you get into tarot and how and yeah how did you get into it first of all um I got into it I would say primarily because of Leona Nicole Black. I've always enjoyed her as an academic. Like she was um, researching at the time and she was lecturing um, at, um, at, at a university. And I remember seeing her kind of getting into tarot and mm. I thought, oh, that's interesting because I know that she also was raised um, up within Christianity and specifically within the church. Mm. So this is really interesting seeing her doing that. And as I was following her journey, I thought, but I'm seeing something in those cards. I don't know what everything means, but I'm getting messages from them. Okay. And I want to um, I want to explore that. So um, I bought myself a deck of cards. You're meant to like wait for someone to gift it to you. Or I think I asked my partner to buy me the deck. Yeah. And then I just bought lots of books. That's the kind of person I am. Yeah. I'm very, very studious. Yeah. I find, and a lot of people who are into tarot and the oracle cards, I love the oracle cards as well, the kind of difficulty with religion. So I'm a Christian, I go to church. You know, but then my fellow other Christians are like, why are you doing witchcraft? Yeah. Why are you looking at the tarot? Yeah. How do you balance that? Because I balance it by thinking about the fact that the truth can come in many forms. And, 
you know, mm. when the pastor is speaking in tongues, a lot of them don't question that. They're just like, oh, he yeah. was ordained to do that. So what? why does God choose certain people, right? Call, quote unquote, certain people to be mm-hmm. ordained and others to not. There is a hierarchical process that happens within Christianity and a kind of Christianity that a lot of us practice that actually is just remnants mm-hmm. of white supremacy, really, in terms of there has to be someone at the top and then all of you go down, 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 and then there's just the lowly congregation. And for me, you yeah. want to be in a situation where it's equitable and there's some kind of egalitarian um, kind of like out of uh, um, layout. And I think that mm-hmm. tarot provides that. Um, looking at um, the Ifa cosmology within that Yoruba um, spirituality, that provides that. Everything where you're made to be mm-hmm. autonomous and it's not like, oh, you will have your blessings when you die or no, it's all about right now. It's about right now. I don't feel like there's a heaven mm-hmm. or an earth per se. I believe that there are other realms, spiritual realms, energetic realms, mm-hmm. but I don't believe in a heaven or an earth because I think that that is what you're living in right now. And whatever you experience after this mm-hmm. will be a direct um, correlation to what you're doing right now. So if that feels hellish, well, boy, that was that was on you're you. Gonna but go. I right. But I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. believe that you it's should true. I don't believe that you should be good on the basis that you want to go to heaven. You should be good at quote yes. unquote because you just want to be good. You okay. want to be your best be possible good. self. Um and, and when Thank people you. bring up like, oh but um astrology um is is it devil is it devilish things? Tarot is it devilish things? Yeah, but when that. we look at astrology, how did the quote unquote white wise men how did they find Jesus? They followed a star. Exactly. Like they followed a star. Exactly. And then that star told them, yes. he's a baby boy. Yes. He's going to want gold, frankincense and myrrh. Like, so you need to take that yes. to him. Like they, the star told them and, and previous prophecies, it's previous so prophecies told them all of these things. So really That's they couldn't, so they couldn't directly translate the names of the wise men, but the wise men were astrologers and they knew what the star meant yes. and they followed it to where they needed to follow it to. And they, and they did all of that. Mm. And, and thus, that is why I like astrology because if you follow it the way that you need to, in terms of some of the lessons that you can gain from it, you have the potential to yeah. have the optimal sort of, life um as you should have it in this world and i feel like the same way with the tarot all the tarot is doing is allowing you to tap into your inner divinity it's taking out the third man there doesn't need to be a middleman between myself yes. and god i can have a direct relationship yes. with god and i don't need it interpreted for me if i do need an interpretation fine i'll go seek it out but there's a problem where we, there's these hierarchical structures that doesn't that don't allow for us to have a direct relationship with god and we have to go with somebody else's yes. interpretation um, and while I respect yeah, their interpretation, them. <laughs> right. While I respect their interpretation, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do me always. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that um, free wise men example. It made me actually think, okay, I've got a little bit of a comeback <laughs> yeah, now to when yeah. I'm asked about, oh, why are you talking about? Love that. So, so true. So, so true. So I know we're coming to the end of the interview and you've just been absolutely amazing. Thank I could talk you. to you for <laughs> ages. You're just so wonderful. Uh, but we had this game, which is called the um, quick shots round. So I asked um, my guests a, a quick question. And then you just give me the first answer that comes to your mind, just a quick, short answer. So my first question to you is, if you can just tell me about the trip that changed your life the most or that was the most memorable for you. Iron Brew commercial, that was 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the first mm-hmm. big commercial that I booked and they flew me out to Cape Verde. Obviously, they didn't know what Cape Verdeans were meant oh, to sound wow. like. And so they were like, oh, I think it's West of Africa. <laughs> they thought it was West Africa. So they booked me. And so I finessed this commercial. So funny. And it was the best trip ever. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> great. Oh, that is so, so funny. I love that. 
Okay, if you mess up uh, big time, so this could be maybe on a job or at work, who's the first person you call and why? Like, if you're like, oh my God, I completely fucked up. My brother, Sadiq, he's the first, he's always the first person I call, no matter if I'm moving mad, if somebody else is moving mad, I always call him because he always kind of centers me, grounds me. And if he says that there was a madness, then I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. I can go and tear singlets because he's confirmed that people were mad. (laughs) He said, yeah, green light, go, go. But if I'm the one that's messed up, if it's me... He will be like, Narcissus, that, yeah. that one was on you. And I'll be like, you know what? Fine. Fair enough. Oh, Fine. I love that. And what has been the toughest time in your career? Oh, the toughest time in my career, I'd say, was the beginning. Never knowing where it was going to go. I remember when I was starting out as a personal trainer, I'd carry this massive bag, like wheelie bag, and I'd be dragging it. Clap and Common, Peck and Rye, all of these different parks oh. in the rain. And only to go and teach these PT sessions for like £15 an hour. And even then they were trying to knock down the price. Ah, I suffered. I really suffered. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's tough. That's tough. And finally, what is the single most important thing our listeners can do to future-proof their careers? Um, the uh, single most important thing I'd say is um, meditate. Meditate. Get stillness. Figure out what it is that you want. You'd hate to go and really push, push, push for a future that you think you do want only to get there and realize it's never what you wanted, but what somebody else wanted for you. Um, the careers that we want, I pray that the careers that we um, want and, and aspire towards are the careers that leave us feeling nourished. And we only know what Mm -hmm. that is if we can find stillness. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. That's thank it. You. Time is up. Can it have been amazing? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, with each episode, I have a debrief with my producer, Ryan. So, Ryan, Kalechi, what wow. are your thoughts? <laughs> Just yeah. wow. Honestly, <laughs> standing here in awe, absolutely in awe mm-hmm. of that conversation. Um, for me, like hearing two black women, black entrepreneurs standing in their authenticity was just so powerful. It was just mm-hmm. an absolutely gorgeous conversation. I just wish, you know, it could it could have been longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now she was just like absolutely, you know, phenomenal. She was such a dream. And I just, there were so many takeaways. I think with for me, Oh, she was, you know, when you kind of, because I'm just a huge fan of her and I listen to her podcast and you just imagine what a person would be like. Mm. She was everything and more. And for me, what I took away was in terms of her career and the choices that she makes and her business, it is centered around her sense, her sense of self. You know, she puts herself first and her well-being and it's very authentic. It comes from an authentic place. And it's like, Mm. you know, when we come from a society of, you know, that typically works yourself to the ground, you know, don't sleep until you're dead. It's very different. And I just that's what I took away from the combo, really. Absolutely. Um, You know, the whole idea of going to what pulls you Mm -hmm. is just so epic um, because it takes a lot of bravery to do that. And to actually mm-hmm. be firm in that stance, because it is, it's very counterintuitive. It isn't the A, B and C. It's like, no, what is, what is actually calling me and kind of making sense of it looking back, which is, which mm-hmm. is what she's done. And it's just absolutely yeah. so powerful. Exactly. Exactly. And I think also when she talks about how she's, you know, bold, how she's fearless, how she's brave, oh, how wow. she's not afraid to challenge. And even if she's the only one, it made me actually think, do you know what? Like, you know, cause even when I, We'll see her tweets and she's speaking out. I'll re- I will retweet 
um, and share. But I kind of thought, you know what? I need to do more. I should right. start being more vocal in my support of her rather than just thinking my support is a retweet. I did think, uh-huh. actually, what more can I do? So I think it might sort of like just jog everyone to think about, actually, are you? can you do more in terms of being an activist, in terms of calling things out rather than being a bystander? Mm. Yeah, rather than yeah. like cheering on, actually standing up mm-hmm. on that platform and and saying the things that you feel as well, for sure. I mean, yeah. it's scary, but this is what life is about, isn't it? Um, what, what Kelechi was saying about you know, if you're asking me to dim my light, this is this made me go like, ooh, like if you're asking me to dim my light, but actually if I stay my own size, I'm a giant. I can trample that. I was yes. like, whoa, I even just got yes. goosebumps. Yeah. Just it's now. Just, that was yep, whoa. Yep. Yep. And if you are in any space where you have to dim your light, get out. Mm. Like that oh. is just get out. It's the wrong space for you. And I think for mm. me, talking to her I realized you know what I'm not gonna just dim my light anymore and I'm gonna just really talk talk highly of yourself the way that she talks highly of herself like no I am great yeah I am making a contribution whereas the British culture is you've got to be modest and oh Mm. yeah you know I'm all right I'm doing all right no I'm fantastic I'm great pay me um that just really stood out for me so so yeah so powerful yeah so powerful what was interesting because you were just talking about you uh you know being in the UK but the whole mm-hmm. mindset on supporting and like being a paid subscriber for example on Patreon that blew mm. my mind of 20% of her listeners are US based but they make up 80% of her paid subscribers it just that was crazy to me that's crazy that because crazy. it's just crazy like yeah. the things that she covers on her podcast and just generally you could say uh, it's more of a UK-based view, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. But Americans see value. And and, in America, money talks. And so, you know what? For me, it just thought it made... Because I've been thinking about doing more US-based stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? That's where I need to look look to be next year. Because Mm -hmm. the UK, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. So, yeah, I definitely resonated with that in terms of just like now starting as a, as a black woman in business it's time to start going to even countries where we're going to get paid our worth yes knowing where you're valued yeah. and going where you're thank valued. you going where, where the money resides <laughs> <laughs> where the money resides too too For but sure. yeah i mean sure. yeah so many takeaways from her I really hope you enjoyed this episode and for joining me for After Work Drinks. If you learned anything from this episode, please do share with someone you think would benefit. Don't forget to leave me a comment with what you learned along with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like yourself find the show. Follow us on Instagram on at After Work Drinks Club. A special thank you goes to Blue Water and to Pure Creation Media for producing this episode.